right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We thank God for another week as, as we gather to study his word at our midweek Bible study. Amen. I, I want to believe that over the last four weeks, we have truly and really been blessed by our guest speaker and Pastor Franca Mwakujampa of Paro de V in Belgium. He, he delivered excellently, in my, my, my personal opinion, on the subject of excellence. Amen. I, I have taken time to listen to the message over and over again, all, all the four messages, and what a blessing. Uh, I, I wrote notes where sometimes I'm like, man, why is it that this sounds like I didn't catch this one? It is so meaty, so juicy, full of revelation. And most importantly, if you're a doer of the word, you will be blessed. Like I said, I do have a testimony on applying the word on excellence. And I shared it with, with him just to encourage him. And I also shared it with my wife as well. Amen. So the word indeed works. Amen. Most importantly, when we come to Bible study, it's not for us to just know. That's one part. It's for us to know and to also apply to our lives. And then we will see growth in our Christian life. That, that's how we become more like Christ. If you want to become more like Christ, obey the word, apply the word, and then you will see growth in your life as a Christian. Amen. Like tonight, I'm excited about what uh, the Spirit of the Lord is leading us towards to. We are, we are going to start a book series, but this time we are going to focus on a topic that is the dominant theme of the book of Philippians called joy. Amen. So we will be dealing with joy, the book of Philippians. Joy, the book of Philippians. Amen. About that, uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening as we come before your word. We pray that your word will come forth in simplicity and clarity of speech, yet in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I, I just want to take my time and really do an introductory uh, a lesson to the book of Philippians, and we'll take it from there as the weeks go by. Amen. Uh, the, the dominant theme, like I said earlier on, on the book of Philippians is joy. It talks about Christian joy. Amen. And it's very important for us to note that. Or let's use the word triumphant joy. I think in the context of what we are studying, the word triumphant joy will fit than just saying Christian joy. Amen. And uh, Paul wrote this book. The, the interesting thing about this is that he wrote this book when he was in prison. He was actually a prisoner when he was writing this. So he should be the last person to even talk about joy. Because his circumstances that surrounded him were not joyful, to say the least. He wrote the, this book when he was in chains. He wrote this book in the cold cell. You know, in this part of the world, some of the cells are very nice. So don't experience any hard labor. You can just go there. One time I was looking at... Uh, top prisons of the world. It's amazing. Some places you go, they are prisons. They are even saunas. That, that's not the kind of prison Paul was in. 
it was a cold dinky cell you know very harsh conditions the prisoners were put to hard labor the prisoners were whipped the prisoners were given harsh treatment and these prisoners they were not even exposed to the sun that was how bad it was in paul's day if you go to the prison you come back blind amen give me one sec excuse me yes we're good i'm sorry in pause day if you go to prison you could come back blind you know because they will put you in the very darkest of conditions and most of the prisons those days they were in the basements it's not like it's on a level ground mostly in the basement so they will put you in a very dark place with no ventilation and you could be there for ages so when they bring you out and you've not seen the lights for some time that the sound rays could easily blind you harsh conditions this was where paul found himself in and yet this man is writing to us about christian joy amen there are some things that we will have to note about the, um, the the church in question to whom paul was writing about who is the philippian church um, this church, they displayed a very strong missionary zeal. And they were also very consistent in support of Paul's ministry. So, um, let's look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 8 to 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8 to 9. Today, I just want to do the introduction. So here is Paul in chapter 11. He's talking in defense of his apostolic ministry. And this is what he said. In fact, for, me, for us to gain clarity of this, let's just start from verse 5. All right, let's start from verse 5. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. And who were the eminent apostles in question? The apostles in Jerusalem, Peter and Co. Those were the eminent apostles, right? So Paul is, and, and, and those who were the disciples of Jesus Christ, all of them were apostles. So these are the eminent apostles. Paul is saying that I am not, I don't consider myself inferior. He also says this on the grounds of, I am not inferior because even though I was not witness to the resurrection of Christ, because... During those days, if you were not part of the people that played witness to the resurrection of Christ, you were kind of seen as inferior. In fact, this book, 2 Corinthians, Paul's apostleship was in question. So if you read the whole book of 2 Corinthians, Paul actually wrote this to really justify his selection. His divine approval by God of him becoming an apostle to the nations, especially to the Gentile nations. So now he's saying something. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. So right here on record, Paul was someone who, who started, he stammered. Uh, it was said that he was not the most eloquent of speakers. 
but he could write very well. He had a mighty pen. He was a very good author. And there are some people who are like that. And that's why in Second Corinthians chapter 2, he, he said that, I, I didn't come in the excellence of man's wisdom. No, First Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I didn't come in the excellence of man's wisdom. You see, Paul didn't have any oratory skills, so he totally had to rely on God. May, may I tell you something? Uh, some of us, we have no witness to anybody this year because we are saying, ah, I, I don't know how to talk. Can you rely on the grace of God? Do you know that Moses, he, he, he also had a speech problem? He had a speech problem. He couldn't talk. But God used him mightily as a leader of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. So God doesn't look at oratory. Do you know that Jeremiah, when he said, ah, I am a child, I can't talk, he was not just talking about, I'm a child, but literally he had a problem with speech, but God used them mightily as a prophet. So in this year that we are to make Christ known, don't use speech impediment or the lack of oratory that I can't witness to somebody. You can, you can. And Apostle Paul is also a typical example. He couldn't speak well, yet he followed. Apostle Peter, who was the apostle over the church in Jerusalem, he was unlettered, he was unskilled, he was untrained. He was not the most educated. Those days, for you to call yourself an apostle, a leader of a church, you had to be very lettered, you had to be well-trained. Apostle Peter didn't have those qualifications. He was a fisherman. Yet, the Bible said that his wisdom outstanded the religious that they say, were these people who are unskilled, were they not the ones who were with Christ? They took notice. So, please, empty yourself of your limitations and do what God has commanded us to do this year. That is to make Christ known. Look at Apostle Paul here. He said, even though I was untrained in speech, yet I have knowledge, we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Verse 7, did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one for what I lacked. The brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you, so I'll keep myself. So Paul was saying that the reason why I didn't ask of anything from you was because the church in Macedonia supported me. And the church in Macedonia is the church of Philippi, which constitutes of the Philippians. They supported Paul's ministry. And it was a constant feature. And in fact, when we go to chapter 4 of our book of Philippians, we will see them supporting Paul. We will let Paul offer a word of prayer for them, which we normally quote a lot. My gosh, I supply my knees according to his riches and glory. Well, that prayer was prayed in response to them giving to aid Paul, especially in his predicament at that time that was he was in prison amen so they played a very strong um, um they displayed a very strong missionary zeal and they were consistent in the support of paul's ministry 
of all the churches that Paul established, it is said that these were the ones that Paul had a closer relationship with because of the tone of his letter. The tone of his letter was very, it was of warmth, affection, and tenderness. Even when you read the chapter one, the, introduct, the introductory verses, you, you will see Paul's tone in, in how he related to the church of Philippians. So I think this church was really dear to his heart. Amen. With that said, let us look at the formation of the church of Philippi in Acts chapter 16, verse 12 to 40. Acts chapter 16, verse 12 to 40. So it was said that this probably happened around AD 51. You know, so um, it was said that Christ died in AD 33. That was when the church was formed. Acts chapter 2 is said to be AD 33, right? So 18 years after the church of Pentecost experience, that was when this church was formed, Philippi. So 18 years after that, we are going to see Paul now uh, about his missionary journey going to establish the church of Philippi. Philippi, which is also known as Philippians because of the people that lived there. So let's start verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part, Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, when we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. You know, those days, if your profession was to sell purple, you were a very rich person. But purple had to do with rich people, royalty, and stuff like that. So, suffice me to say, she was wealthy, right? From the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. So, this is a rich woman. She's a trader or a merchant, and she worships God. It's a woman, she's a trader or a merchant, and she worships God. God can also use women. Women, never count yourself out of the move of God. Too many women like to count themselves out of the move of God. Never count yourself out of the move of God. It's so interesting that you embrace everything. Oh, we are good for the corporate world. We are good for this. We are good for that. We are good for this. But when it comes to the church world, then you want to retract your steps. Don't count yourself out of the move of God. Look at Lydia's rule in the formation of the Philippian church. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So one of the prayers we will have to pray this year, if we want to become effective witnesses, that Lord, open the hearts of the people I speak to. Because that's, that's the only way people are going to be converted. You see, the Bible lets us know that Paul spoke, but when Paul spoke, the Lord opened Lydia's heart. 
And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now let's go, verse 16. So now, Paul now, I will say, has some few converts, Lydia and her household. Now look at verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And when he came out that very hour, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitudes rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were prison and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Wow, you see joy here? You see joy? This is different from happiness. Can you believe it? He's charged, taken to prison, given a prison index number, whipped, wearing an orange jumpsuit, and yet he's praising the Lord, singing hymns and praising, and the prisoners even heard it. That's joy right there. And what was his crime? He had committed no crime. His crime was just he administered to Lydia. He, he didn't even take time to minister in the temple. Because those days when you go to a city, one of the best places, if, if you wanted to reach the marketplace, was to go to the temple where people come on the Sabbath. He didn't even minister there. He ministered to just a household, just a section. And yet he's beaten for doing good, for doing the commands of the Lord. But Paul sang praises and sang hymns to God. It talks to us about joy. It talks to us about joy. So I, th- I think the Philippian church, which started with Lydia, the household, and then it extended further, I'm sure they, they must have seen joy in practicality in the life of Paul. Let's read on. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Says, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all 
who were in the house, and he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were saved. So, apart from Lydia and her household, Paul also had another set of people who were saved in Philippi, the jailer and his household. So, Paul has ministered to two households that were saved, that will constitute the church of Philippi. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers, saying, Let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported those words to Paul, saying, These magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now they do they do and now do they put us out secretly? No indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the magistrates told these words to the and the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid, and when they heard that they were Romans, they came and pleaded with them and brought them out, asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison, entered the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. So you see, from here, Paul now goes to Thessalonica, where you get the, 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 the letter Thessalonians. So from here, he moved on to establish another church. So basically, that was the formation of the Philippian church. Amen. And it was said that Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church 10 years later. So possibly he wrote this AD 61. So that was 10 years after Acts chapter 16. A period of 10 years he was in jail. He now wrote this letter to them. And, and like I said, he had close relationship with them because they supported him. Believed in his ministry, supported him. Amen. Um, look, a, a man of God, one of the things a man of God will genuinely admire is people who support his ministry and believe in him. It, it goes a long way. Amen. So when we read the book of Philippians, the tone alone can tell you the sort of relationship Paul had with the church of Philippi. Amen. But it's very important to also note that this book, it differentiates joy from happiness. So joy is not happiness. It, it, it is very likely that some people have not experienced true joy. You have experienced happiness, but you have not experienced true joy. Because happiness will depend on the happenings around you. Joy is deeper. Joy is independent of outward indicators, outward outcomes. It's, it's very different. You know, you can be happy because things are going well. You can be happy because you have a job. You can be happy because you have promotion. You can be happy because you have a good pay raise. You can be happy because everything is going well, peachy kin. But that might not be joy. Let me even rephrase it. It is not joy. It's not. It's not. Joy is very different. On the other hand, things might not go well. You might not be in the best of jobs. You might be suffering. 
You might even have some sickness that is bugging you out and you keep praying, believing God that God will heal you because you believe in the divine principle of healing. Right? But in the midst of it all, you are experiencing true joy. That's joy. That's joy. So, happiness is an emotion. Joy is not. Joy is a virtue. It's a fruit of the spirit. And when I'm talking about virtue, I'm talking about moral excellence. You know, certain qualities that, 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 that max that of a truth we are Christian. I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. Things like uh, 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 peace, love, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. These are all virtues. Fruit of the Spirit. That is what joy is. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. Joy doesn't mean you laugh out loud, LOL. You know, you are laughing, cackling laughter. That is not joy. That might be happiness, but that's not joy. Joy simply means you have settled contentment, you have settled assurance, you have peace. That's joy. That's joy. And I, and I pray that as we study this book, may we all come to that sense of joy, that inner contentment, that settled assurance, that says that it is well. You see, Paul had that. That was why... Even though he was in prison clothes, he had an index number, he was whipped. Uh, the possibility of him being jailed, he still sang praises. I don't know, but I've never been in prison before, but I can imagine. It must be a very scary place to be. It must be a very scary experience, especially if, if, you, are, if you don't know what the outcome will be. I believe all of us may have heard about the outcry of, you know, the WNBA star Brittany, Brittany Griner, who is now in prison in Russia, and, and she's in danger of, of being in prison for 10 years if she's convicted indeed of, of bringing, you know, drugs or whatever, smuggling drugs, as, as they want to call it. You know, that alone is, is panic. That alone is very uncertain, is very fearful. I don't know how her family will feel and all that. You know, the WNBA is in a lot of uproar, bring her back home and, and all, all, all that stuff. It, prison is very scary. It's very scary. You, you, don't, you, don't, you, you are faced with the unknown. And the unknown could be very harsh. could be a very harsh and a grim reality. You know, Paul was in this situation. But Paul experienced joy which is the theme of the book of Philippians. He experienced joy. Well, what will make Paul decide to sing praises? I think the first thing he should have looked at should have been the stripes on his back. How deep are my cuts? How wide are my cuts? Do I have medicine for the sores? Are they going to fester? All those things. He never thought about those things. Irrespective of the sores, the bleeding, and those days, too, when they were sentencing you to whipping, it's not these kind of whips that you know. It's very severe with a cut of nine tails they, 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 with, with, you know, whips, whips, and then they have, you know, stones and things at the end. So when they use the lash on you, 
it pulls a bit of your skin. Very gory. And probably Paul had stripes, you know, but he didn't care. Just happy. It's different from happiness. So today I pray that all might not go well. Maybe you are expecting everything to go well before you experience happiness. But I pray may you experience something higher than happiness, which is called joy. Because joy is a virtue. Amen. So Christian joy can be experienced in the midst of adverse circumstances like suffering, persecution, and things like that. You can experience true joy where you have settled peace, settled assurance that it is well. Joy comes from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Happiness depends on happiness. Yesterday, I, I, I was on the net and I think I saw a man of God ministering. You know. I saw a man of God ministering. And um, I, I didn't really sit down to watch the, the whole message and everything. It was a live message. I just chanced upon it. I was preaching at his pastor's conference, huge pastor's conference somewhere in Ghana, you know. I think he does it every year, huge ministering. And man, it was powerful. I mean, I sat down just for 15 minutes, just listening. But I was very thankful to God for his life. Because I I was meditating on, on this message. I'm like, that is joy. That is joy. You know, that's joy. Yeah, I don't know how he managed to have the strength to minister, even though he has lost his firstborn son, you know. It's horrible. Nobody, nobody should lose their child, you know. So the firstborn son has lost him and is going to bury him, but he's still preaching with strength and with conviction. And uh, it was amazing. Just sat there, watched it, and I was just blessing God for his life. But I said to myself, that is joy. You, you can do this. You can do this. And pastors, got, the whole place is full. I will not even be exaggerating if I will say that it's 10,000 people that were gathered there. We're gathering to listen to the anointing, real anointing. Real anointing. So I pray that may we experience joy. May we experience joy. Joy doesn't mean that all will be well. Our joy means that even in the midst of our pain, our suffering, our persecution, we will have settled assurance, settled peace that God is in control and it is well with my soul. That's joy. Many years ago, there was a man called Horatio Spafford. He lost his wife and kids. I don't want to mistake and say his kids are two or three. As within that those numbers, but he lost his wife, lost his kids, on a voyage. And as they were motioning, you know, the the the, the, the detectives were motioning probably the place where the wife and the kids drowned. That's when the man started to prepare, or he wrote the song, "When peace like a river attendeth my way, 
Whether Soros like CB Losro, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What, what will make a man be able to sing a song at that present moment? I don't even know whether they, did, they were even able to get the bodies, you know, because it was deep down in the, in the sea. He lost his wife, lost his kids. He has become a widower. He doesn't have kids. But he was still able to say, it is well with my soul. When peace, that's the joy I'm talking about. It's not cackling laughter. You are laughing. Because I'm telling you, you are laughing. That's, that's not joy. That might be happiness, but that's not joy. It's not an emotion. It's a virtue. It's something that you take your time to develop and cultivate through patience consistent relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when that develops, it's, it's known. You know happiness, you can fake happiness because it's an emotion. You can fake emotions, but you can't fake joy. That's why yesterday when I saw the man of God ministering, it just blessed my heart. For about five to ten minutes that I sat down to watch him live, you know, I was just blessed. I'm like, this is joy. This is joy. You can't do this. You can't, you can't fake this. You can't fake this. Some people, their children have not even died. They've even closed their ministry. But they say God is against them. How much? It's not, it's, you can't fake this. You're still going for crusades, ministering. Just Good Friday or so, around that week. You know, it's not, not long. Still fresh. You know, but still ministering. Powerfully under the anointing. That is joy. And I pray that may we all come to a place where we will experience that. Because let me tell you, in Christianity, you have to understand that there are persecutions. There, there is suffering. Man, you have to understand that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So when you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, it's not the end of all your troubles. No, it's not the end. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the heat, you can still experience joy. And when you experience joy, the expressions of joy show in settlement. It shows in having peace of heart and peace of mind. That is joy. Amen. So I pray that today may we have that higher. May we have that. Happiness can be bought. You can put on a Netflix comedy and you can be happy. But happiness is an emotion. And emotions, as we know, you know, when you remove the word E from emotion, you get the word motion. That means it's a feeling that just moves. It's temporal. It's not permanent. I pray that may we all experience the fruit of joy, which is a gift. That we will come to a place of contentment. We will come to a place where we will experience the peace of God. Amen. There's also one thing about joy. When we read the book of Philippians, that we will have to know. Joy also involves the eager expectation of the return of the Lord Jesus. So that's one of the things Apostle Paul talks about. That, that aspect of joy. When you are looking forward... 
to the return of the Lord. Can I tell you, if you're a Christian and you can't honestly say, I look forward to the return of the Lord, you don't have joy yet. Because that is a feature, that's an aspect of Christian joy. When you hear that Jesus is coming soon, your heart doesn't skip a bit. I know some people, they are Christians. When you say Jesus is coming soon, their heart skips a bit. It feels like you've told them a bad news. It's like as if you've even told them you have cancer. They, they get very sad and morose. And, but when you have joy, when you have joy, the feature of joy is that you eagerly look forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are able to say Maranatha, which means Lord come. Maranatha. So that's one way by which you know you have joy. And when we look at the book of Philippians, we will come to that aspect which deals with that. It's an aspect of joy. When you truly say you have experienced the joy of the Lord, you also look forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So that is joy. So joy is not an emotion. Joy doesn't mean cackling laughter. Joy doesn't mean all outward circumstances have to be peachy-kin before you are content. doesn't mean that true Christian joy can be experienced even in the midst of persecution. And suffering. Look at Apostle Paul. He wrote this in jail. Now, when we start to read the book of Philippians, you'll be wondering, was he really in jail and he was writing this? Because he should he should have been written, he should have written like I'm in jail, I'm suffering. Uh, none of that. No, there's no pity party when you read the book of Philippians. He was in jail. He was in jail. And why will Apostle Paul be in jail? He's, he's being in jail because he's preaching the gospel. That's why he's in jail. So may we experience true joy in the name of Jesus. And the way joy is developed is to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can't experience joy outside a union with Christ. You can't. The best is you experience happiness. And thank God for happiness. It's good that we are happy. We need that emotion. It's a, it's a healthy emotion. But I think we have to move from that to experiencing the virtue of joy. It becomes a state, not an emotion. Happiness is not really a state. Happiness is an emotion. It's a feeling. It comes and goes. But joy is a state. It's a state. We need to come to that. But we, we need to pay the price. We need to pay the price of a, a relationship with the Lord. Some of us Christians, because of the way our relationship with the Lord is, the fruit of joy, is, is, it doesn't seem to pop up well because of our relationship. We need to, we need to foster a deeper and a, and, a, and a strong communion with God for the finished product of the fruit of joy to fully manifest in us. And that manifests in us, you, you experience contentment, you experience peace. Amen. All right. So I have 16 minutes left. 
Let me just read some few opening verses of Philippians and we'll close for today. Paul and Timothy, born servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So, suffice us to say, when Paul was writing this letter, it's likely Timothy was with him. So normally when you are in jail, you are not really a free guy. You are fastened on stocks, you know. So probably Paul will orate, Timothy will record by writing. You understand? So it, it, it could be that scenario. And who is a bishop? A bishop is an overseer of a church, right? Who is a deacon? A deacon is one that helps in assisting the leadership of a local church. We've seen deacon, Acts chapter 6, as the first responsibility of a deacon. Find the seven men full of the Holy Ghost who will attend to the needs of the widows while we give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and prayer. So um, deacons are gap fillers. They, they, they fill the gaps of what the local leadership might not be able to do. They are what we call helps ministry. Amen. So I'm just another seer, a deacon helps. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you, all with joy. I learned something here. When you have joy, your prayer life is constant and consistent. You don't wait for things to become perfect before you pray. Is it Paul is able to thank God. Paul is able to pray. When you have joy, you're a worshiper. When you have joy, you pray. Paul, and, and you see the, the prayer, always in prayer, always. Not sometimes, majority, always. There are some Christians, once they hit hard times, they don't pray anymore. They don't read the Bible anymore. Do you know Why? Because they have not experienced joy, the virtue of joy. They might be operating on the emotion of happiness. Because truly, if you have experienced the virtue of joy, irrespective of what condition, what state you find yourself in, you will still pray. Yeah, you will pray. You will pray. So that, that is an aspect of joy. Do you know where this man was? He was in jail. But he still prayed. He still maintained a prayer life. He still maintained a prayer life. He still maintained a worship life. So right here we see, he thanks God worship. He prays. It's a prayer for man. Always stays in touch. And then he makes requests with joy. 
irrespective of where he lies. He is not thinking about his sentence. He is not thinking about the harsh treatment that awaits him. He is not thinking of hard labor because, like I said, during those times when you were in prison, you had hard labor. All these things pale in comparison to the joy that was in him, which was a virtue. It helped him to stay on course. Today, let me ask you this question. If God doesn't answer your prayer requests, will you maintain joy? I remember around 2018, I had a turnaround on how I saw ministry. I was complaining, I was complaining. I was very angry. I was very, very, I was very, very, very angry. I remember 2018, I think the first six months, I was very angry. I easily lashed out at people. I was very angry, very furious. I felt like, God, you've disappointed me. You know, God, you've brought me to a place of desert. Um, I'm not experiencing the prophetic promise. What I believe that I have seen, I'm not seeing the picture that you have shown to me. The, 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 the picture is not sacrosanct with the reality on the ground. They're very angry. And one day after all my prayer, and I was praying very angry. I was very, I was very angry. The Lord asked me one question. He said, Steve, if I don't bless your ministry, will you still love me? Will you still be faithful? What about if your church never grows beyond 10 members? Will you still maintain your work? Will you still be a... No, because at that time, I felt myself, I want to close this and go and start somewhere. These are very hard questions for me to answer. Very hard questions. It wasn't a question that I would just say, yes, Lord. Yeah, I, no, it was very hard. I had to think about it. And I had to honestly say to myself, Lord, restore unto me the joy of ministry. Restore it back to me. Restore unto me the joy of ministry. Where I will now come to a place that irrespective of whether I'm blessed or I'm not blessed, it, it doesn't matter. I, I'm just going to do this thing until the road is called up yonder. I changed. 2018, it was a turnaround. I remember that day when I spoke to my eyes, I said, this is a turnaround. We are, we, it, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Forget about it. I don't, I don't even care anymore. I'm just going to do this. I don't care about the results anymore. I'm just going to do this. Because it's about having the joy of the Lord, irrespective of where you find yourself. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a man who is in prison. Yet he was able to maintain a strong prayer life. He still worshipped God. Sometimes there are people who are even angry at worshiping God. When they say, thank the Lord, you just get angry. He thank God, irrespective of his condition. He, he maintained a fervent prayer life, and he had joy. Amen. So I believe as we go on this journey in the book of Philippians, truly I pray that may we all cultivate the fruit of joy. May it become very strong in our lives that 
of a truth we can still worship God, of a truth we can still pray, of a truth we can still say, praise the Lord, God is good. When we say God is good, we will all respond, all the time God is good, irrespective of the state in which you find yourself in. Amen. So I pray, may we all experience joy. May we all just learn about joy, but indeed, may we all experience joy and its accompanying fruits with it. Amen. I'm done for now. God bless you. Questions or contributions are welcome. Amen. What did we learn tonight? Anything that touched your heart, you could just... The floor is open for that. Any impending question on your mind, let it flow. Amen. 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 I learned that there's a difference between happiness and joy. And the deepest joy, I feel like my understanding that you have to be anointed to have it. Do we have to be anointed to have joy? No, I'm just asking a question. I'm just throwing it to the floor. Do we have to be anointed to have joy? No. Okay. Who else? And what would be your reason? I meant to say it's um, not to be anointed to have joy, but that joy itself is an anointed. Amen. To have that kind of joy in in difficult situation to know your God and to have that kind of joy. I feel like that joy itself is beyond us. It's, it's anointed, not that you are anointed to carry the joy. Amen. All right. That's powerful. Who else? So, I think like like you mentioned that um, um that joy is a virtue, and you also see that it's um, the fruit of the spirit. And so, we need a reliance on the Holy Spirit to be able to experience uh, that type of joy. That will not be um, dependent on our circumstances. That even when like like you see concerned Paul. Yeah, even though he is he, he was in prison and was facing um, he was going to be like he was going to face imprisonment so he was already in prison. But his joy was coming from within and that um, my, my point the point I'm trying to make is that it's dependent it's it's um, 
we will get that joy when we depend on the Holy Spirit and not just depend on the things that are happening around us. Amen. Yeah. So we have we have to move from happiness to joy. Decide I am moving from happiness to joy. That's when you can truly experience contentment. That scripture, I think first Timothy chapter six, Godness with contentment is great gain. You can't experience contentment without the fruits or the virtue of joy. It's not possible. It's not possible. Because contentment is a state. And you can't rely on an emotion to get to a state. You need to rely on a state to get to a state. That's joy. Joy is a state. It takes a state of being to be in a certain state. Amen. Otherwise, we'll say, oh, I'm content. But maybe you are happy. And then when the happiness goes, you realize that you are not content. But when you have joy, it's easier for you to say, I'm content. And you truly mean it when you say, I am content. Amen. Who else? One more contribution, one more question will be done for tonight. One more question, one more contribution will be done for tonight. Do we all understand today's topic? Today was all like of an introduction and an overview of the book. Next week, then we go into the integrities of the book. Oh, do you understand? Please respond. I want to be sure. Okay. I would I put joy and happiness in the same category. That's how but joy is something but now the way that I see it is joy is something that you experience and happy happiness is something that you feel. Um so it's kinda like it is a difference. Yes. There is a difference. And just like you rightly say, joy is something you experience. Happiness is merely an emotion or a feeling. And it's dependent on happenings around you. It depends on outward indicators. Joy is independent of all that. Look at Apostle Paul. We've read um, the accounts. He didn't have to be happy. He was in prison. That's a happening around him. But he had something higher than happiness called joy. That's why he was able to praise the Lord and sing hymns. So I pray tonight that may we all come to a place of joy. A place of joy. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are our joy. You are our strength. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. 
I pray that may we experience this joy in Jesus' name. Amen. God willing, we meet here on Saturday. Saturday is our first Saturday of the month. Seth August will be praying from 7 a.m. in the morning to 8 a.m. So please, I expect to see all of you there. Come and let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray and commit this month into the hands of the Lord. And let's pray corporately as a church. So I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thank you all for attending. I appreciate all of you. Is it not today? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. in the morning. Amen. As usual, the first Saturday of the month. So I'll see all of you on Saturday. God bless you and good night, guys.